we are, of course, in the midst of the holiday season, and there's even a little winter weather in the forecast this week, so I thought it's a good time to bring in the car doctor, John Paul from AAA Northeast, to chat a little bit about travel and also uh, preparing for the season ahead. So John is joining us virtually again uh, today to talk to us. How are you, John? Good to see you. Well, how are you, Joe? It's, uh, yeah, a little bit of winter weather maybe on the way, which is a good reminder for people to think about getting their cars and maybe even themselves ready for wintertime. Uh, no forever seriously ready, but but uh, at least start to think about it. Um, now, there were all kinds of predictions that uh, the Thanksgiving uh, travel this year will be the biggest and best and uh, largest ever. Did that come true? It, it did pretty well. I think it was just off a little bit, but there, we were looking at 55 million or so people traveling. That's a big number. That's the just about the biggest number we saw before COVID, and that was we're only off just a little bit for that. Uh, 2019 was certainly the record, and that's what we're looking at again, even as we go towards Christmas time, uh, which is a longer travel period, so the numbers sound a lot more impressive. But still, right now, it looks like the combination of the economy is doing okay, uh, COVID is sort of taking a back seat for right now, people feel a little bit more confidence to travel, uh, a lot of people traveling by air as well, which uh, has stepped up a little bit too. But still, the most economical way to get around is put your family in your car and go, go travel. Yeah, that was we saw that was very popular during the pandemic. A lot of closer uh, kind of you know staycations. Um, I guess are folks uh, still doing that, or are they venturing a little further away now? Well, from what I've been told, and it's pretty anecdotal information, is there is uh, there is a still a certain amount of travel but people are feeling a little bit more comfortable about traveling internationally where prior to this year uh tourist destinations you know it could be up in maine or the lakes area of uh, new hampshire or cape cod during the covid years those places were really busy people were getting cottages for long longer term rentals a month or more uh, that has dropped off a little bit from what people have told me. The Chamber of Commerce tells me the same thing. But overall, numbers were still pretty strong, just not quite as strong in those weird little areas for things like cottage rentals and hotels where people felt more comfortable, especially in cottages where they were staying for two or three or four weeks. And they go and they'd sanitize everything and feel like they were at home, only they weren't. So those numbers off a little bit. But, yeah, and the trade-off is those same people have decided – well, I'm going to go to Disney. I'm going to go to Mexico. I'm going to go to the Dominican Republic. I'm going to go to Europe. I've always wanted to go. This is as good a time to go as any. And in terms of AAA's, um, you know, travel department, if you will, are you, are you still doing uh, both combination virtual and in-person meetings with clients, or is that completely in-person now? What's, what's the story with that? No, it's it's a combination still because um, it gives our travel agents a little more versatility and a little more availability to be able to do things virtually as well. But our offices are, are pretty much fully staffed now uh, where it can be anything from travel to insurance to uh, registry and motor vehicle services. Right. Um, for pe people who have maybe not traveled for the past three years, John, and are thinking of it now, what are some of the basic um, you know, pieces of advice or tips uh, to give them when they're either traveling uh, domestically or internationally? It still makes a ton of sense to get to the, you know, if you're traveling, get to the airports early. Still bring your sort of 
cleanliness kit, if you will, you know, bring, you know, just to be extra safe, bring disinfectant. If you're in a very crowded place like an airport or some other public place, uh, even though masking isn't required, certainly can't hurt uh, to take a little bit more preventative measures about that. Uh, if you haven't, although real ID keeps getting pushed off and pushed off, and that's that little star symbol that's on your driver's license that lets you board airplanes and go into federal buildings, and I believe that's been pushed off to May of 2025 now, um, it still makes traveling a little bit easier. And also, if you are traveling, um, signing up for the, for the pre-check uh, to avoid some of the longer lines isn't, isn't a terrible idea to do that. I know I signed up for it a few years ago, and some airports I go into, uh, the regular line and the pre-check line were literally the same, uh, but there's other times I've traveled and the regular line has, you know, 200 people in it, and the pre-check line has two. And it is kind of nice to walk through security without having to take off your shoes and your belt and your jacket and all that sort of stuff. So that kind of those kind of things will make it easier eventually, uh, unless things change again in the next year or two. Uh, everybody's going to have to either travel with a passport or have or or have pre-check. Um, makes sense if you can do it now get it get it done and get it over with. So, yeah, are, are we seeing kind of a, a migration away from? You know, paper, and, and I'm paper sorry, tickets. I confuse pre-check with real ID, by the way. Yes. Uh, real ID, yeah. And pre-check is going through the airport quicker. So make sure you, you know, real ID is going to go into effect in May of 2025. Okay. Um, but what I want to ask you is, is uh, are we seeing like a migration away from, you know, paper tickets and, you know, paper over to electronic when it comes to checking in and checking out? Um, not if you ask my wife. She <laughs> loves having a paper ticket. Okay. Uh, so you can still get them, basically. Using, yeah. <laughs> okay. Most people now are using electronic tickets. They're yeah. saving it on their phone. Uh, if it doesn't show up in their wallet, they screenshot the ticket, the barcode. Okay. It makes it easier. I was a nervous traveler. I would do both because my fear always was I would show up at the airport and just then my phone would go dead right. and yep. I'd be standing there with no, no ticket. So, uh, but I've even gotten away from printing paper tickets, and I think a lot of people now, uh, more seasoned travelers, haven't traveled with a paper ticket in ages. Uh, but if uh, you, you can still print a paper ticket, keep in mind, though, some of the discount airlines, if you do get to the airport and you want a paper ticket, you're going to have to pay for it. Oh, interesting. So okay. that's sort of the trick with some of the discounted airlines is, the prices look good, and mm -hmm. they are, providing you follow all the rules. But, you know, if you want to pick your own seat, it's going to be extra. If you're going to, if you're going to carry on more than a personal item, which is generally a very small bag, you're going to pay extra. If you're going to check a full-size bag, you're going to pay extra. So all of those things will add up and will kind of take away what seemed like a big savings with your ticket. But if you follow the rules, those, those discount airlines uh, do a good job and... The idea that you can travel someplace that's 1,500 miles away for, you know, in three or three and a half hours for under 100 bucks, pretty good deal. Yeah. With the TSA pre-check, John, I signed up for it two years ago. Is there a cost for that? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, There, there is there is a cost for it, although we're starting to see some, um, looks like maybe some flexibility in that coming up in the future. We don't, we haven't quite seen all of that yet mm -hmm. uh but that may even be uh, 
I think I saw recently, and I could be completely dreaming about this, is that uh, I think Staples was offering it now <laughs> too. So you didn't have to go, you know, you didn't have to go to a different office somewhere to go get it done. And I know in the future, AAA is looking to um, be able to have an outlet to do pre-check as well. Okay, and it does expire too. I know, um, so you yeah, have to make does. sure you're you're up to date on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just like you, you know, same thing too. If you haven't, if you're thinking about traveling internationally, and you look at your passport and it's still good for another six months, in some locations that's considered expired. Okay. So just because you haven't hit the expiration date on your passport, check uh, your airline and your destination and see whether that passport that has 90 days left on it or whatever the case is is still considered valid or not okay that's uh, a some great people point. end up yeah. getting a little bit stuck with that yeah then we know there was a big backlog and and uh you know passport renewals uh, has that alleviated some have you heard uh yeah from what i understand it has and some of it had to do with everything else it was just not enough people to be able to get everything all processed but um it 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 is a little bit complicated to even renew a passport. You need to follow the steps involved. Uh, you know, right now, go to your local post office, go there with all of your information, and let them tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. Because I know I looked at the directions and kind of went, "Well, I'll go do this and this," and they're like, "No, no, don't cut the picture or whatever the case <laughs> is. Right. Let them let them tell you what to do, and yeah, and, and it'll go through the steps just the way it's supposed to." Yeah, because if I mean, if one thing is wrong, it's going to delay the whole process even further. So you want to get it right, right. the first time. Ab yeah. Absolutely, I I went to uh, uh, right across the street from you over at the post office, and uh, they were very nice and told me everything I needed to do. So. Excellent. Well, as I mentioned, uh, there is a little bit of winter weather in the forecast. Nothing major this week, but uh, it's inevitable. <laughs> Eventually, we will get uh, some, some major snowstorms. So let's talk a little bit about uh, winter car care and uh, preparation for winter. Yeah, you know, this is it's really about preparation. And, and cars have gotten so much better over the years. They're so much more dependable. But still, they're literally rolling computers that take a lot of electrical power to keep them all running properly. The average life of a battery in New England is about five years. Now, some will last six or seven, some will only last two or three. Uh, if your battery is more than three years old, have it tested, see if it's in good condition. If it's more than five years old, and I just got a question about this the other day, somebody has a 2017 Subaru, they said the battery seems to be fine. They haven't had any problems with it. Should they replace it just because it's getting old? Maybe. Um, mm. Because without the battery working properly, you're, ne you're never going to get the car going. Uh, good preventative maintenance. Antifreeze today, years ago when I owned a garage, when I, when I worked in a garage rather, it was not unusual to replace engine coolant every two years. Mm -hmm. Now we're seeing engine coolant last 10 years. Audi, I think, claims that their engine coolant can last uh, up to the lifetime of the vehicle, which sounds incredible, but it can lose its effectiveness. So you want to make sure that if you haven't serviced your radiator cooling system in a while, uh, have the antifreeze tested, make sure it's in good condition, that it is going to protect the car uh, properly. A 50-50 mix of antifreeze and water will protect your engine to minus 34 degrees, which is plenty for around here, so that's good. Uh, good clean engine oil is important. As oil gets contaminated, it gets thicker in the wintertime, it gets harder for the engine to turn over, and, you know, where we were talking about batteries earlier, 
summer heat is what actually hurts a battery. It's the winter time that stresses the battery because the engine needs to turn over longer. It, sometimes it turns over slower, takes more energy. In fact, when the temperature gets to be about freezing, your battery loses about 30% of its capacity. Mm. And when the temperature dips to zero, when we do have those one or two zero days, it takes almost twice as much energy to crank the engine over at zero that it does on a 70 degree day. So that's how important the battery is. So you wanna make sure that's good. And wiper blades, uh, wiper blades suffering from summer heat, they get all dried out and cracking. Good set of wiper blades on there so you can see where you're going in the winter time. And then also, Think about tires, too, because a lot of people have all-season tires on their car, and all-season tires will work pretty well in most cases. But you have to keep in mind that all season, the same all-season tire you buy in Quincy is exactly the same all-season tire you buy in Phoenix. So how can it possibly do a good job in an area that never has snow? Well, it's a, it's a compromise, and that's what it is. And if you're somebody who has to be out before the snow plows are out, consider a good set of winter tires. Winter tires will give you that traction you need. Uh, we used to say snow tires, uh -huh. but we call them winter tires now because the rubber compound is made in such a way that when the temperature gets cold, the tires still stay, stay soft and flexible. Okay. And that's the important part because when the temperatures drop, your tires turn into like little hard hockey pucks and they'll tend to slide around a little bit more where a good winter tire the rubber construction is better and if you don't have the ability to keep four winter tires in your garage and you know take them off and put your summer tires on and swap back and forth there's a new kind of tire and they call it a uh, they call it a a all-weather tire and it's a little bit of a compromise but it actually does have a rating as a snow tire but it's a tire you can run year round it has the uh snowflake mountain snowflake signal on the side of it one manufacturer is michelin they call it their cross climate uh it works a little bit better than uh all season tires maybe not quite as good as a dedicated winter tire but it's a good compromise for somebody that doesn't have the ability to store a set of uh, set of winter tires and the other issue with winter tires to make it easier you might want to do winter tires an extra set of wheels, and most of today's cars have uh, tire pressure monitors in them. Yeah. So an extra set of tire pressure monitors. So it becomes a pretty heavy expense. So maybe if you're, you know, considering replacing your tires before winter time, look at some of these uh, all climate tires, these uh, all weather tires, as a good compromise for winter traction plus good summertime driving. Okay, and you know, years ago, you used to have to change your tire pressures between summer and winter. Is that something that you still have to be concerned about? Not real, not really. I mean, tire pressure is tire pressure. Um, if you open up the driver's door of your car, there's a placard right there. It'll tell you how much air to put in the tires mm -hmm. when the tires are cool. Why we used to say check tire pressure more often? For every 10 degree drop in temperature, you lose almost a pound of air pressure. Hmm. So if the last time you checked your tires was it was 70 degrees out, and all of a sudden we get a 30 degree day, you're going to lose four or five pounds of air. Four, pounds, four or five pounds of air isn't a lot, but if that tire was supposed to have 33 pounds of air in it, you've been a little negligent on checking the tires, and maybe they're down to 28 pounds, you lose five pounds of air, now all of a sudden you're down to 23 pounds. That's definitely going to be an underinflated tire that's going to waste fuel 
it's not going to handle as well, it's going to wear out quicker, and it's going to turn on the tire pressure light. Usually it's that first cold snap day that I get all kinds of emails from uh, people that say, my tire pressure light just came on, what should I do? And usually it's nothing more than wait till this, wait till the afternoon when it gets a little warmer out. And you'll probably find out it'll go off. But the but the thing to do is go someplace where they can check the tire pressure, inflate them to the proper amount, and you'll be good to go. Okay, um, I know we always like to talk a little bit about uh, the cost of uh, fuel uh, when we chat, John, and uh, it seems to have stabilized recently. Any predictions for where it's going in the future? Well, uh, right now we're seeing crude oil at just about seventy-four dollars a barrel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is actually dropped off a little bit, and some of that seems to be a combination of uh, economy demand and sort of a threat from OPEC Plus, which the OPEC nations plus Russia didn't seem to really materialize at all. So the projected cuts, way more complicated than I understand it, but it's like some of the oil-producing companies are saying, well, if we cut production and prices go up, we're going to sell less, we're going to make less profit, so maybe it makes more sense to keep production up, let the prices sort of stabilize and sell more and make more money that way. So it's it's kind of a weird economic thing that's going on, but for us right now, uh, the average price of gasoline in Massachusetts is three thirty-seven a gallon. It's down $0.03 cents from last week, it's down $0.15 cents from a month ago, and it's down $0.30 cents from last year. So. You're saving a little bit of money, no matter how you look at it, if we continue to see this uh, trend as we go towards the first year, which looks like, right now, it looks like the futures prices are sort of heading in that general direction. Uh, The futures prices for crude oil now are just around $70 a barrel, so that can obviously vary quite a bit over the next uh, month or so, but uh, that all signals maybe a little bit lower prices as we come into the future. Finally, John, do you think uh, the cost of new cars is going to come down in the future? Because what are they average now, like $40,000? The average price of a new car now is up almost to $50,000. Okay. And I'm old enough, I guess, where I remember luxury tax kicked in at $32,000. So these cars are way above what we consider a luxury car price. And electric cars, which which are gaining popularity to some extent, are, are even more. So we're seeing some very expensive prices, and I think at some point, consumers are just going to say, look, I can't afford this anymore. It's not worth spending fifty dollars or $60,000 to get a nice car to go to the grocery store. So at some point, technology, manufacturing, and all of those things combined together have caused prices to go up. Uh, also, short, shortage of supply. Mm-hmm. When COVID first happened, vehicle manufacturers stopped making cars. They just weren't making as many. No one expected that the car business was going to be good, and it was. The other thing that happened was the rental companies, which typically buy a lot of brand new cars, stopped buying cars. Well, what happened is they stopped buying cars. Their old cars, which would normally go into the used car market, never happened. Right. So that caused used car prices to go up. No one really expected to see this coming. It was just like the building industry. No one ever expected you know, a sheet of plywood to cost $50 a sheet. Right. Uh, in fact, it did. So um, I think eventually uh, supply of cars will get better. Uh, the recent automotive strike didn't help at all. Um, 
but I think over time, and I guess I've been saying this for more than a year now, the prices should start to stabilize, inventory should come up, and you'll be able to get to the point where you can go into your local car dealership and look at the MSRP and work down from that number. Right now, there are still some very popular cars where you go in and you look at the suggested list price and you're negotiating up from that number to get the car, which to me just sounds crazy. Yeah. Got to go, but always a pleasure to talk to you, John. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Great being on with you. Take care. Have a good holiday. Thank you. The same to you.